Welcome to episode 204 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I am your host, Patchy. Pat- <laughs> oh, God. We're off to a good fucking start. I was going to say my me, both me, of my names. I, me, and, me and host you show listen to. I host good. Ooh, him card read good. Uh, I am. I almost did it. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. This is what happens when you're in quarantine and you forget. The- Everything. The sound of trees, the taste Life. of bread. Words. Me speak. Me speak pretty. <laughs> I word good. Me uh, fail English. That's impossible. <laughs> I am Patrick Rayho, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. That's that's it right there. Yay! That's it. All right. Two hundred and over. It doesn't get better than that. <laughs> good night, everybody. Two hundred plus episodes in, and I've almost nailed the intro. <laughs> Never right. mind the intro, your fucking name. <laughs> Out, outstanding. Next, next episode, just write it on your hand. I had notes. I don't know where they went. Uh, now, now, Ashes, there's only so many notes he can put on his hand. This right? is true. Yes. I am tired of these jokes about my giant hand. The first such incident occurred in 1974. <laughs> uh, he, he, st- he starts the intro. Hey, everyone, I'm your host. Buy bread after work. Uh, <laughs> Patsy the Angry Nerd. <laughs> Talk to the doctor about that thing. <laughs> about that rash. Talk to doctor about flavor of suppositories. <laughs> so these are these, these aren't working at all, uh, sir. It's pronounced analgesic, not analgesic. Pills <laughs> go in your mouth. Do you have these suppositories in any other flavor? Have you been eating those? No, I've been shoving them up my ass. <laughs> Oh, God. So, I am Patsy the Angry Nerd, and uh, we are broadcasting live-ish from the Pat Cave in Magenta Manor. And uh, we are, of course, brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee, because we are part of the Dorkening Network. Although, I don't know if they want to continue their partnership after this. I got their name right. <laughs> Hooray! We're one for one. Know, if, I'm one for if two. If they know what's good for them, if they know what's good for them, they will continue to sponsor you. And uh, I am, of course, not alone. I am joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the uh, Real Housewife of Transylvania, and the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie. See, I, I remembered all 400 of your nicknames there, Apollo Creed. Uh Ashes Von Nightmare. I am the Khaleesi of the Dorkening Network. I knew that Apollo Creed wasn't her name. Apollo Creed was the first man on the moon. See, I'm smart. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yep, that's exactly what so everyone smart. was just thinking. They were like, wow, Patsy is so smart. Oh, I didn't Birds. know Apollo Creed was the first man on the moon. <laughs> I just learned something. Uh, we are, of he course. May, he, may, he may fly great. But I, but I'm a great flyer. <laughs> and uh, we are, of course, as if you haven't noticed yet, we have a guest today. It is uh, our good buddy, one of the founders, actually the founder of uh, Powers Combined. It's our our good friend uh, and dear comrade and compatriot who uh, hasn't been on this show for a while, but was recently on uh, the episode of Shark Bites entitled "Old Man Powers." Uh, it's our good buddy, powerful Brandon. Brandon, how you doing today? Yeah, I'm all right, guys. I'm all right. Uh, you know, just uh, another another day in quarantine paradise where I've uh, 
it's it's not so much been like a descent into madness it's it's mostly been about maintaining the same level of insanity mm. uh and all i all i really have to say about that is um my wife is really tired of me walking around with an empty glass working on my bane impression <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's coming along pretty good. Like, oh, would you like some juice? I will be this podcast reckoning. <laughs> I think I've been doing well. I do want to say that we we uh, we had about forty minutes of material prior to even starting. We're like we we tried five or six times to start, but uh, because of quarantine, you know, we haven't gotten a chance to see each other, and this is like the closest we've gotten. Uh, I will say, though, that I would not refer to it kind of like you, you were saying. Not so much a descent into madness, but a plateau into madness. Yeah, yeah just maintaining. You know, just it's like you're line. driving across Kansas. Yeah, yeah I'm, sur- I'm surfing the lateral, baby. You know, just, just staying <laughs> right, right along, left and right. No up and down. Come to Kansas, where the outstanding geographical features is the horizon. <laughs> I could... <laughs> I couldn't imagine that though. You know, coming from Massachusetts, where there's so many like hills and roads and that go up and down. Well, there's potholes too, but there's so many like we said hills. Yeah. (laughs) Like I couldn't imagine just driving for hours and having like it's like oh look, corn. (laughs) Well, I feel like that's more Nebraska's bag, but I got you. But I mean, Kansas, Nebraska, like. They're right next to each other. They're just flat. Do you have, do you have a lot of listeners in either, either place, do you think? Uh, I don't Some think so. I do know we have one listener, our, our uh, former co-worker, <laughs> we Marcy. One, we have one listener. From Oklahoma. She, she, she's oh, in okay, Oklahoma. So, all right, well, that's... Shout that's out to Tornado neither, Alley. That, that, that's still neither one of the states that I meant <laughs> that we were talking about. So, yeah, but again, uh, it's I guess close. That, I guess that's a... That's a no, but uh, I mean, at the risk of at the risk of uh, pissing off people who may potentially be listeners in that area, fuck it, it's all the same place. Don't you love corn? Corn's the best. Without corn, you couldn't have corn syrup just to put on your the, corn cakes. Just, say, just watch out. You know what it would be without corn? No, what? Syrup. Oh yeah, good good point. Without popcorn, you know, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have popcorn. Just be pop. Yeah, that's what some people call soda. Or as the Indians oh, called or, it, maize. Or, or grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we uh, we are talking today, not about corn, but uh, something well, even anymore. more special. <laughs> uh, well, that's not our main topic of discussion. I'll, I'll phrase it that way. Uh, oh, our main topic. That would probably be lobster or potatoes. I'm sorry, I digress. Vacation land. <laughs> Oklahoma. Let's uh let's talk about their state motto. Oklahoma is okay. How many people there want to kill themselves? Uh, Oklahoma, at least we're not Nebraska or Kansas. Oklahoma, Oklahoma. There, I said it twice. Oh, uh, now all I can think of is the old uh I don't know if you guys are familiar with the old Sesame Street uh skit where they were doing the uh the musical Oklahoma. But they were going through every vowel except for O because they couldn't get it right. <laughs> it's, Oklahoma. Oh, it's so funny. They're like, no, 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 that's not it. They're like, I, Oklahoma. 
Oklahoma. It goes on for like 10 minutes and like, yeah, I'm thinking that it's funny now, but like, it was hilarious when I was three. Like, it's just, yeah. It's, it's, it's the Muppets, man. You don't have to explain it. Like, oh, yeah. we all get it. I mean, my my good my my good green felted friend greeted you when we started this this whole thing earlier tonight. So that's true. It's not easy being gangrenous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, today we are talking about the 1987 Rob Reiner film, The Princess Bride, um, and we learned some interesting stuff about that that we're going to talk about in our main discussion. But one of the things that I found. Um, and I think this holds true to a lot of people, is that this is a very quotable movie. Of course, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've quoted several things already. Family Guy, no. Simpsons, you know, Sesame Street. Just in this opening nine minutes of conversation that we've had. So I find everything to be quotable. But this one is especially quotable because there's such great, you know, great lines in this and great deliveries. So we thought we'd talk a little bit about some of our favorite quotable films. So, uh, Brandon, since you are the guest, let's uh, let's start with you. What are some of name? We'll start with one. Name one movie that you probably quote more than any other. Um, let me see here. Uh, who that's that's tough man um it, it, it on it but it, it is funny that you you ask just on a, a personal thing because i i was actually sitting down last night thinking to myself wow i think i say a lot of things from movies that i forget are from movies after a while <laughs> like that and that's part of my problem with you asking me this question is like I don't think there's a movie I quote all the time, but maybe there's somebody who's known me since I was like, like my brother, Chris, he would probably be like, dude, are you, are you fucking serious? Like every time I see you, I, I, I don't know if you're just going to be doing a new rendition of the movie better off dead or what, you, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Um, I think it's, it's tidbits that I take from a lot of different things that have worked their way into my syntax. Um, I think, one of the movies that I probably throw some stuff out occasionally from is uh, it, it's kind of weird, but uh, it's this movie called Out Cold. I'm unfamiliar. Uh, it's a it's a comedy. Um, it it's the first thing I ever saw Zach Galifianakis, and this is before uh, The Hangover or uh, True Calling on Fox, <laughs> because I believe he before was in Baskets. Say, say what, girlfriend? Uh, but yeah, he uh, he's in it, and uh, so is um, Jason London. I don't know which whichever one is the good actor out of those twins, the one that was in Dazed and Confused, not Mallrats. You get what I'm talking about? Oh, oh there's yeah, Jason yeah. London and Jeremy London. I can I can never remember which one's which, but I know they look slightly different. But the one that's in Dazed and Confused is the better actor out of the two of them. And the one that sucks is the one that played uh, T.S. in Mallrats. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it stars the two of them as, as best friends uh, in this uh, actress, Carolyn or Caroline DeVernis. And uh, Lee Majors plays pretty much the bad guy in the movie. It's a, it takes place on like a uh, ski resort and they're all like the ski instructors, like snowboard instructors. And uh, it's not like a, you know, ski school from the eighties or what have you necessarily. 
but it's it's just a goofy, funny movie. Um, and uh, Zach Galifianakis in it is at his absolute sarcastic zenith in this movie. And he he I mean, I straight up became a fan of him because of this. And then when he started making it big in The Hangover, I was like, oh, this is great. Everybody's going to know who he is now. And I I became very disappointed after the fact because his stand-up and his performance in that movie um, altogether showed me that he is a very smart and capable performer. And after The Hangover, everything he was given was nothing but, like, man-child roles. Yeah, dumb, uh, fat guy. But yeah, he's he's got some some fun stuff. I mean, a lot of it probably works more in context with knowing the movie, but some of the stuff can can you know I, I throw out there every every once in a while. It's uh, you know, just like uh, somebody says blah blah blah, you know, like oh you know this that or the other thing. That's what I do, and I say oh yeah, well you know, everybody Wang Chung. That's my motto. <laughs> you know that, and maybe we'll kick his ass. But you know stuff like that. Like oh man, this coffee is so good you can really taste the vanilla beans i don't like the coffee (laughs) just it's just like it's little shit but uh it's stuff that can that that can be applicable um in your day-to-day life but there's other little things that i've 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 just absorbed and don't even realize it's not something that i ever came up with on my own that's fair it is jason london I uh, I pulled it up while we were talking. Thank you, I appreciate that. Ashes, how about you? Like, I think I know some of yours, but uh... so right off the bat, I think of Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion because my sister and I—that's one of our favorite films—and we will have entire conversations just quoting back and forth. Romy and Michelle. I'm really glad you didn't bring your giant notebook. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, like, and sometimes when she she's like being really stupid and pissing me off and stuff, I'll just be like, "I'm the Mary, you're the Rhoda." I you was know? just gonna say, yeah. <laughs> you scream at her that she's the Rhoda. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, you're the I'm like you're the Rhoda, you're the Jewish one. We're not even Jewish, but you know, it just it just it it holds up in in our you know for argument's sake. Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with that. No. Uh, another one is Clueless. That's, you know, growing up in the 90s, everyone quoted Clueless. I did And it's, okay, well, a lot of people quoted Clueless. And it's one of those, that, that, you know, some having conversations with people, sometimes it just kind of comes out. I find... Clueless was my, Clueless oh, was my favorite movie to <clears throat> tell my sister Siobhan to shut the fuck off when I was in high school. Really? She never stopped watching it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, how, why are you watching this for the 500th time? You know nothing's going to change, right? It's all the same. That dude is still going to end up being gay, and then she's still going to end up with Paul Rudd, who now inexplicably somehow looks exactly the same, if not even better, than he did in that movie. That deal he made with the devil was a pretty good one. Oh, yeah. There's a portrait of him that's fucking turned into crap in an right. ad somewhere. Yeah. Yep. See, I find that um, a lot of the quotes that I use are generally from The Simpsons because yes. there's pretty much a Simpsons uh, quote Simpsons did for it. every single situation. But I will use movie quotes to kind of 
derail a conversation? Like, if I don't want to talk about something? It ain't cool being no jive turkey so, so close, close to, to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll just say that. It has nothing to do with the conversation. Uh, yes, the conversation was about uh, replacing the windows at the, at you know, it, at work. But see, here's the thing. You have ADD, ADHD, so, like, it's a perfect diversion tool to begin with. Oh, it works for me, yeah. Because, you know, people just say, oh, well, that, that that's Patsy. He's just being crazy with his ADD. You know, I'll tell people, oh, like, yeah. you're garbage. Oh, yeah. I, I do that a lot. I have, I get I get the same thing, only uh, they they say Brandon, because if they, if they said, like, oh, that's Patsy, when I started doing it, I'm like, listen, asshole, I know we look alike. It was it was that one time. <laughs> that this second isn't the Patsy. Patty Duke show, all right. <laughs> oh, that Patsy! Fuck you, I'm Brandon. <laughs> well, if you would stop dressing like me, people would get confused less often. Oh, I'm sorry, I wore clothes. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, there's there's so many movies, and especially while I'm watching them. And there are certain movies that I think have better quotes than others. Like, if I'm going to pick, like, a a franchise that has some great quotes, Rocky doesn't come to mind. Like, there are some, you know, a couple good ones here and there sprinkled out through the entire eight movies, if you want to count the two creeds, which I do. And I would say there's maybe a dozen good quotes spread out through all eight movies. Like stuff that you can repeat over and over again, you know, like one-liners and stuff. And most of them are in Rocky Three. Like <laughs> Rocky Three is probably the, it, it is the best one, but it's easily the most quotable. Can he swim with a name like Rock? Like, <laughs> like where does that uh, come from? Well, it, is that, it's funny that you say that because um, in part three with, with Clubber Lang, uh, Mr. T uh, actually says for the first time his I, I pity the fool line. And uh, that became one of the most popular catchphrases of the 80s. And I don't think a lot of people realize that that was uh, trademarked by Sylvester Stallone. So every time Mr. T said that or it showed up on a T-shirt or a box of Wheaties with Mr. T, uh, Sylvester Stallone was getting paid. Yeah. No, I don't hate Balboa, but I pity the fool. Because <laughs> he wrote all of those scripts and directed most of those movies. I think there's like one yeah. or two he didn't direct, but he people wrote. Side of that. He wrote and directed all of them. One thing people for- also forget about is that like that's Academy Award winner Sylvester Stallone, much mm-hmm. like. Academy Award winner Nicolas Cage. Like, people always lose sight of that because everybody was nominated for Oscars from that movie. Like, the screenplay, the movie itself. Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, and uh, Burgess Meredith. Burgess Meredith, yeah. I was literally going to go with... Lightning and Crap Sunder! I was going to go with his real name, which is... Not his real name, but the character's name, Mickey Goldmill. Mickey? Mickey Gold, yeah. Mickey Goldmill, would you find out in, uh, I was going to say episode three, three. Rocky three, three, when he dies. Rocky, I, I, I. Rocky two plus Rocky V is Rocky seven, Adrian's Rocky Revenge. Seven, Adrian's Revenge. <laughs> Although technically it was Creed one, so if anything, it was 
Felicia Rashad's revenge. You are correct. The best, the best kind, kind of, of correct. correct. See, and th- this there it is again. Like that was Simpsons and Futurama back to back. So I don't know. There's there's way too many movies. Like especially if you're watching the movie and like you're reciting the lines, which I did a lot, a lot last night with Princess <laughs> Bride. I did the same thing with it when I rewatched it the other night. Even if you haven't seen a movie, at least for me, if I haven't seen a movie in forever, like we'll be watching. I did that with Short Circuit. I hadn't seen Short Circuit mm-hmm. in 22 years, and I was still reciting lines from it. Didn't matter. Because like, it's just one of those, like it triggers different things in your brain, and like the memories start flooding back, and you're just like, oh, yeah. I remember this. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. That's it right there. Wait, what? <laughs> That's the nostalgia. Do you know nostalgia literally means the pain <laughs> from an old wound? Oh well I I do now. I mean that's mm. not the current accepted uh translation. That's the, ger- that the, that the German definition? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh like that's like where the word came from, like the, the etymological roots like you take the two terms together what was that face you yeah. made when saying roots roots <laughs> roots. Roots. roots the two roots. the two utes <laughs> yeah. hey, hey uh you, you want anything to drink i got a coca-cola or a root beer <laughs> what is a ute oh that is the uh mascot of the university of utah or the Utah Utes. <laughs> I'm not making that up. Oh, that's terrible. I am not making that up. Like, there's a, a. I learned that during one of the fucking NCAA tournaments. Like, oh, and the Utah Utes trailing the Duke Blue Devils. I'm like, the fucking Utes? Like, what the fuck is that? The Texas speaking Texans. Of, speaking of Utes, a young boy gets sick and his grandfather brings over a book. <laughs> It is the Necronomicon. Uh, <laughs> like that would be a much different movie. That would be that would be something wacky right there. Um, but yeah, we're going to be yeah, talking gonna, about that momentarily. Listen, listen, kid, I'm going to read you a story. Kandarechna. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, what? 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 Floating in the middle of the room. Uh, one, one more thing. Uh, yeah, I'll swallow your soul. <laughs> I just, it's, it's, it's funny to me how you said that you were here on the 9th, but, uh, you know, according to this, oh, fucking Columbo. Hey, don't worry. He makes it. You just look very, you look very nervous. (laughs) Thank you. You're very smart. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to discuss more. We're going to actually discuss, uh, Princess Bride. The Princess so Bride. <laughs> we'll be uh, we'll be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip, and you'll know why we say: once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. 
It's coffee so good, it's scary. Do you have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? The Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs. From horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet Films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Grandfather's here. Can't you tell me I'm sick? He'll pinch my cheek. I hate that. Maybe he won't. Hey, how's the sickie? Huh? I brought you a special present. What is it? It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today, I'm going to read it to you. It was a time when life didn't seem so complicated. Marriage is what brings us together today. What? 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 I'm killing myself once we reach the honeymoon suite. Wouldn't that be nice? A courtly age. Of gentle conversation. I won't always come for you. But how can you be sure? This is true love. Oh, no. Is this a kissing book? No. Actually, there was a lot of treachery. Peril. And revenge. Prepare to die. Never go in against the Sicilian when death is on the line! <laughs> There were affairs of state. But I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder, and Gilda to frame for it. I'm swamped. And affairs of the heart. My Wesley will always come for me. Your Wesley is dead. I've seen worse. Bye bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. It's more than dirty. What's the difference? We've got him. Think it'll work? Would take a miracle. Goodbye. It's a story of love. A tale of adventure. It's as real as the feelings you feel. You're kissing again. Someday you may not mind so much. The Princess Bride. Not just your basic, average, everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill, ho-hum fairy tale. And we are back. Uh... For those of you who are uh, uninitiated, that was, of course, the trailer 
for the the film. There were a couple of different trailers. Like this is the uh, the one I remember seeing as a kid because it had like one of the 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 best lines. It's like you know when when uh, Buttercup kisses the king and she's and he's like, "Well, oh, what was that for?" She goes, "Because you've always been so kind to me, and I won't be seeing you after night after tonight since I'll be killing myself." Oh, won't that be nice? She kissed me. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, focus on the positive things. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, he's an optimist. What do you want? <laughs> yeah. Um, so this movie came out in 1987, uh, and it's got a stellar cast. You've got a young Fred Savage. You've got a made old Peter Falk. Well, a made-to-look older Peter Falk, because he wasn't that old at the time. Like, he was still doing Columbo. Like, he was... No spring chicken, but they made him look about 20 years older than he actually was. Yeah. Um, young Carrie Elways, young Robin Wright, pre-Pen, I believe. It was actually uh, her first movie. I believe it was introducing Robin Wright, wasn't it? Oh, I don't recall yeah, that. Yeah, she was actually uh, working on a soap opera Yep. before that. This is so... introducing Robin Wright. Yep. And her father is actually from Britain. That's why she was able to do the British accent so well with uh, little coaching. Uh, this also had uh, Chris Sarandon as uh, Prince Humperdinck, Christopher Guest as Count Rugen, Wallace Shawn, one of my favorite actors, and another great voice actor. You know him as uh, Rex from the 27 Toy Story films. Um <laughs> Uh, not to mention uh, Andre Ren- Rene Rusimov. Uh, you know him as Andre the Giant. Um, very sad. Like, this was towards the end of his life. Uh, this is about six years before he died, but he was just in such bad shape that, you know, the scene where, you know, um, Buttercup leaps from the window and he catches her, like, they, like, had to lower her down into his arms. Like, he wasn't able to catch her. Like, this is a man who in his prime once chased a group of guys out of a bar and they tried to escape in their car and he just flipped it onto its roof or the time that he took... He was out with a bunch of other wrestlers and he took somebody's car and put it up on the sidewalk between two, like, light posts so they couldn't drive away. Like, he was always pranking people with their cars. Like, he was out for dinner with... uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and they were arguing over who was going to pay, and he picked Schwarzenegger up and put him on top of, like, a a piece of furniture, like a cabinet, and just placed him up there like a fucking doll and was like, I'm paying. Let me down! And that Let was, like, height of his powers, like, mid-80s Schwarzenegger. Wow. Like, Sounds like it was more like the height of a Jeep Cherokee. <laughs> Uh, so well it's funny that you mention Arnold Schwarzenegger because he so this movie was apparently trying to be made for a while and I think it took like 12 years for it to come into fruition as as it did and um, William Goldman first wanted Arnold, Arnold to play Fezzik but then Arnold blew up but the reason why he said Arnold was because he didn't think he could get... Because when he was envisioning it, he envisioned Andre the Giant. 
Well, I mean, he was easy As... to get because at the time he was unemployed in <laughs> Greenland. <laughs> so, yeah. So, obviously, by the time this film was actually made, Arnold Schwarzenegger was way too expensive and wanted by a bunch of other. Well, you know, this he, he was also filming like Predator. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, like, like he was busy. He had other uh, prior commitments, so he, uh, you know, they were the actually, able, yeah. So they were actually able to get Andre the Giant to do the role. I, I do want to uh, just amend something I said about Peter Falk not being old. He was 60, which by today's standards is not as old as it was 30 years but ago. Back then he was like Methuselah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this was. Uh, after he was in Murder by Death. So I'm just uh, throwing that out there. Yeah, death. <laughs> Murder by Death, that'll kill you every... Every time. single... Th- leading cause of uh, Le- dying is death. <laughs> yes, and I've found that murder and death, are they usually go hand in hand. That's just me, though. You know what's funny is Billy Crystal was about the same age. Billy really? Crystal... At, I'm sorry, no, he was 40. No. He was 40 <laughs> was at say? the time. Uh, he was, was in. That... Wasn't he just like going through a midlife crisis in city slickers? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm like hell? doing math for today. I'm like, oh, look at how old he is. He's like 72. Oh, so, so you mean incorrectly? Yeah. Yes, I yes. wronged my math. Listen, I didn't even get my fucking name right earlier. So, yeah, I guess we. That took a slack. full minute. <laughs> but we won't. And you want me to do math? <laughs> yeah, who's the stupid one now? Uh, but yeah, this uh, this was one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid, and it still holds up. It still holds up a hundred percent. Like there are films that you know we were talking earlier off the air about Married with Children. How Married with Children doesn't really uh, it doesn't it doesn't age well. Yeah, it doesn't hold up. It's not the like I'm not going to laugh at it now at almost forty the same way I did at. 12. I'm slightly more sophisticated. Not a lot. Slightly. Yeah. Emphasis on the slightly. Let's not go putting the cart before (laughs) the horse, all right? Listen, I know who I am, and I've come to terms with that. Yeah. Now it's everybody else's fucking turn. Yeah. (laughs) Look at Just because, you know, like, I've had almost 40 years to come to terms with who I am. Like, I understand you may not have that type of patience, but... uh, (laughs) <laughs> you deal with me in smaller bursts than I deal with myself. And uh, I've built an immunity. <laughs> I've built an immunity to Iocane powder. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. So what I like to do when we talk about these types of movies that were uh, very important to us as little children is talk about when we first saw this and the impression that it made on us. So, again, Brandon, as a guest, I will start with you. Uh, what is your earliest memory of seeing this film? And uh, what did you think of it when you first saw it? Um, I remember the first time I saw it, I remember was at my grandmother's house. Um, my my mom's mom, my maternal grandmother. Uh, that would be that would be Graham or Grammy. And uh, my mom is the oldest of seven kids. And her youngest sibling my uncle her two youngest siblings my uncles william and jason are only uh 12 uh, was it 12 and 10 years older than me um 
And so they they were two years apart, and my brother Chris and I are two years apart. And so the four of us would all we always just, you know, we were a little click whenever I I went to go see my grandmother. And because of that, they also spent a lot of time with uh, my, one of my other uncles, Wayne, who's a little older than them. But uh, the three of them, uh, in addition to my my own father they really dictated a lot of the stuff that I thought was like cool and funny growing up that, that really, they were the main, um, uh, I don't I'm trying to think of the word. They, they, they were my guides on to becoming a sarcastic asshole and, uh, Sarcast-hole. yes, indeed. <laughs> so, uh, I, whenever whenever there was something on there they'd be watching it with my grandfather my gramps and uh i'd say three quarters of the time it was something that i ended up absolutely loving and became like a you know a touchstone for my childhood and uh that was the case with the princess bride i walked in i actually the the first time i saw it i missed the first like i don't know five to 10 minutes of it. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of missed the grandfather coming in and uh, getting the whole thing with the kid being sick. Uh, I kind of started it. I walked in, we came in when uh, it still was showing like the, the farmhouse and the, the farm boy that, that helped buttercup and always only said, as you wish. Uh, but I plopped down, of course, like once I saw Andre the giant and stuff, I mean, I was, I was a little boy in the eighties. So, mm-hmm. you know, WWF was everywhere and I was all about it. And, uh, I just, uh, I, I, I think, you know, as a, as a, like a, you know, six year old, five, six year old, there was probably a lot of stuff that I didn't necessarily quite get, but because I was watching it with all these older people that like I wanted to be around when they laughed i knew that it was supposed to be funny too and so that that kind of dictated how you were supposed to react to those things and after a while of course you you have you have the comprehension part catch up as you get a little older you get a little wiser and uh, thankfully because it was one of those movies that played fairly often on uh usually uh cinemax or showtime uh i i saw it quite a bit uh all together as my childhood continued and uh it it's it, i don't know it just became one of my favorite movies and it helps too that um because it has some of those fun quotable lines so many of them uh that my uncles would would use those quotes constantly and that that's the same thing that i started to do and now i'm on a podcast talking about movies and shit with another guy who and his wife would do the same exact fucking thing so uh, you know I, I I guess it all worked out all together. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that definitely that definitely you know is one of those things. Like if you're watching it with, you know, like, you know, it's kind of like when I watched you know Mel Brooks movies with my dad. I would see when he would laugh at stuff, and it was like, okay, that's the funny part. <laughs> you see, know, I'm like, also laughing. I get it. <laughs> I'm 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 five, and I'm laughing at Gene Wilder going, "What knockers? Oh, thank you, doctor." Like. Dad thinks that's funny, so that's funny. Why are you laughing? She, oh, because that's funny. Must, Why is it funny? She must because you. Laughed. She must have pissed, picked out the door knockers herself. She's very proud. Yeah, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Oh, childhood innocence. Yeah, and it's like you know something yeah. you said, like oh, I get older and wiser. It's like eh, older, anyways. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I certainly have white in my beard. <laughs> yes. 
Well, I certainly have gotten older. Ashes, uh, what about you when you first saw it? Uh, what were what were your thoughts? So, I mean, I don't remember first seeing it. It's just, you know, again, one of those films that I just, I watched, you know, uh, amongst a whole bunch of other films that I watched. And it kind of mirrors Brandon's story a little bit. I used to watch this movie with my dad. So now watching it as an adult, you know, I can, I can still hear his laugh in the back of my head you know, during certain scenes and whatnot. And I used to watch a lot of stuff with my dad just because I really like spending time with my dad. And this was obviously a film that, you know, you can watch as a young child and it's okay. But you obviously, you know, you're going to get a little bit more, you're going to have a little bit more fun with it as a, as an adult because you kind of get some of the inside jokes and the innuendos and whatnot. But, you know, it was just something that we could both enjoy. And yeah, it's just what I just, I love I like. I just like it. I just like it. Yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, that's. A I mean, I, I don't really have like a really good. It, just, I like it. It reminds me of my dad. There's nothing wrong. You know, with the that same assessment. thing with 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 watching Spaceballs. You know, I don't remember the first time I watched Spaceballs, but I remember watching that with my dad because I grew up watching all the Star Wars films with my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I just I I, I liked them because I liked spending time with him. And I grew to like them, you know, because there's a lot of action and stuff. And, you know, again, kind of like Princess Bride with uh, with Spaceballs, there's a lot of jokes you don't get as a child right. that you appreciate more as an adult. But, like, you know, you, mm. you, you laugh, you're entertained, you think it's it's silly and, and stuff. So, yeah, this was just one of those, those films that, um, you know, he quoted a lot he was definitely yep. uh, a quoter you know everything was inconceivable i had to meet my quota yeah um <laughs> so yeah that's i mean there's no there's no great elaborate story i apologize for that it's just a, a, a film that i I just, I, I just i just like how it, it was like i i remember watching it with my dad I watched it a lot and it, it actually like turned into a defense of you liking the movie which i i was more than willing <laughs> to let you go i was like oh I mean, we're on a show where we're willingly talking about it, but I, I, I want to hear like, like, listen, I like this movie. And you I just, get off I just like it, okay? <laughs> and if you disagree, I will come to your house and I will cut you. <laughs> I mean, for me, I remember watching it because I used to uh, spend a lot of time with uh, my friend April when I was a kid because she and I were in the uh, same grade and because we're actually five days apart like our birthdays are five days apart and i still to this day give her shit about like oh i'd tell you but you're a little you're a little too young for that you know um and her brother and my brother were both the same age actually uh when my youngest brother was born um we actually spent while my dad was at the hospital with my mom although like john oliver said after your third kid the mother hardly even has to be there (laughs) um I'm not even sure the mother has to be there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we actually spent uh, two days at April and Jason's house. I mean, partly because they lived, you know, three minutes from us, like, and that's walking time. So it was very close. And uh, we used to watch movies all the time. Like, we'd go into their basement, like, like a really cool basement with... Um, her dad had a, a saltwater fish tank, like, built into the wall, which I always thought was so cool. But they also had, like, a fairly large TV. I think it might have been, like, 19 inches, which was, like, whew, 
That's... And then when her grandmother got dementia, she confused the two of them, and she always complained about the fish channel being on. <laughs> I'm tired of this fish show. Um, but yeah, we would uh, we would go and we'd hang out in the basement, and we would uh, either play Contra or we'd watch you know whatever movie had happened to come out because they would go to the same video store we always went to, Burncoat Video, which was right up the street. And so we'd go up there, and we rented Princess Bride. We watched that about a thousand times. You know, I remember first wanting to watch it. You know, kind of like what you said, Brandon. Uh, Andre the Giant was in it. I had no idea who any of the other people were except for Columbo. Yep, and, same here. Uh, you know, but I mean that's fair. Like I wasn't supposed to know who any of these other people were because you know most of them weren't like well-known stars. Like I hadn't seen Fright Night, so I had no <laughs> idea who Chris Sarandon was. You had not seen This Is Spinal Tap. You had no idea who Christopher Guest was. No. I mean, if I uh, took my best guest, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. waka, waka, waka. <laughs> I didn't set that one up that well. Um, but yeah, like I didn't uh, I didn't know who Carrie Billy always Crystal, was. Billy Crystal might have been the, one of the only other people that you might Billy have Crystal and Carol Kane, I knew who yeah. they were. Uh, but Carol like... Kane, I knew I knew because of uh, Scrooge. That's that was oh in Taxi. I watched Taxi yes. a lot as a little kid. Taxi with her Latka and Simka, yes. Yeah, I knew who <laughs> I knew who they were. Um and I, obviously Billy Crystal had been in a bunch of stuff, so I was because I used to watch Saturday Night Live all the time. So I knew who Billy Crystal was. But, you know, I just I thought it was interesting. I it didn't hold my attention all that much, you know, you know, for whatever reasons, like I like some of the fight scenes, but like most of the, the dialogue I couldn't care less about, except when they're on the boat and uh, Fezzik is doing all <laughs> his different rhymes, you know, and of course, the only one I could ever remember was anybody want a peanut? Like I couldn't I didn't remember any of the other ones, you know, like. He's certainly very short on charm. Like, <laughs> but yeah, and I remembered, I was like, man, this fucking Vizzini guy, he is annoying as hell. Like, I cannot stand his voice. But it's like, I wish someone would kill him. <laughs> <laughs> um, And then I saw him on the Cosby show once, and I was like, hey, that's the uh, same guy. I I remember that. Yeah, it was the same thing for me. I was like, hey. You forget the guy from the Princess Bride. I'm driving the Vesuvius. <laughs> um, you fell victim to the classic blunder. <laughs> the most obvious is never get involved in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less well known is never go up against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all the time. It was your glass who was poisoned. And I was both of them. I fucking cheated. <laughs> I'm a piece of shit. Well, I mean, like, every other one, like, there was a respect factor. So it was like, okay, he's like, I, you know, I would sooner destroy a stained glass window than, you know, destroy an artist such as yourself. You know, when he, when he beats Inigo. Uh, who is actually the youngest of uh, several children as well? Like you know, they don't really get into it, but uh, no, he, they do not. He has uh, several older uh, siblings and one younger sister. Uh, his youngest sister's name is Violet, and uh, the rest of his uh, brothers are red, orange, yellow, green, and blue. So. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> I said that joke to her yesterday, and she's like, "Go sleep on the couch." 
Yeah, it's certainly very colorful. That's what I said. Nah. And then, you know, when he when he fought against Fezzik, you know, he he told him he's like he's like uh he's like my way is not very sportsmanlike, you know, and like, like they they were no, no, they no, showed no, respect and they were in turn given respect. You know, because they well, well that's that but that's because I mean inherently they were they were using their talents and skills uh, in the only way they they knew how, and it's not that they were doing anything to be bad, to be evil. It was it was just right. a job. But you know, Mazzini look... was was a piece of shit. Oh yeah, I mean, because you look at you look at you know the entire interaction with Inigo and Wesley at the beginning when he's like, you know. You know, you don't. Th- I don't suppose you could speed up climbing up the cliff. You know, like you know, think you'd hurry up. And he's like, "Well, what if I give you my word?" And he's like, "No, nah, I don't. Still don't trust you." But like, he swears <laughs> to him on his father. What the fuck? Giving my word as a Spaniard? No good. I've known too many Spaniards. Huh? <laughs> yeah. The, the best part was the look Inigo gives him when he says it. he's like, eh, "Fair yeah, enough. Fair, yeah." <laughs> so he throws him. Like, I've, known, I've known a few Spaniards too. <laughs> Yeah, he gives them the rope, and you know they have that you know, that nice conversation back and forth, where he kind of opens up to him a little bit, and then they both do the exact same thing. They start off fighting with their left hands, you know, because it's like, oh, you know, I don't want this to end too quickly. And then Fezic, it's the only way I can be satisfied. Fezic could have killed him easily by crushing his head with the rock. Okay, so I kind of want to go back to the sword fight the fence yeah yeah scene. go go for it because they actually did that the yep. only um what's the word that i'm looking for because i'm so freaking tired choreographed I can't talk. well it's stunt all chore- stunt double the only stunt double was the flip was yeah it was the flip that was it they worked yep. with olympic fencers and choreographed, and, and, and they, they trained for months. Now, the initial scene was only a minute long, but Rob Reiner, he was kind of underwhelmed with it. He wanted more. So they increased the scene to three minutes, so they had even more to learn. But yeah, that is all them. That's all their own fencing work, and aside from the little flip and the swing and stuff, like it is all them 100%. And all of the terms that they use... Um, those are all actual fencing terms. Fencing terms, yep. I'm sorry, my Agrippa. Which I have. Which I have. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 a great scene. Like they do it really well. Um, especially the the towards the end when like they do the the couple of slashes left and right, and then uh, the between the legs, and then the jump. Yeah. Like, that was interesting. I do wonder how many takes it took Carrie Elways to uh, flick the sword into the little, uh, into the ground there before he does the flip. Uh, probably not as many as you would think, because uh, from everything that I've seen One. and read about it, <laughs> they, uh, they, they were practicing constantly. I mean, even when, even when they weren't doing scenes that involved swordplay or anything when uh mandy patinkin and carrie always were shooting similar like in the same scene or what have you they spent every spare moment practicing for that Mm -hmm. entire scene and even uh you know breaks 
on set and when they would break for the day, they would still go back into, you know, where their trailers and stuff were and just practice. Yeah, and it it and it, it shows. Like you can tell that they really put a lot of time and effort into choreographing this fight scene. Well, I mean, like, if if you look at the footwork, the footwork is impeccable. Well, that's what one of the things I was mentioning when we were watching it last night. It's like how well done this fight scene was because it's not, you know, it's not just swords clashing against each other. The footwork is a huge component of any type of, you know, fencing or, you know, any type of martial combat. Like, your footwork is huge because if you step wrong... You know, you're off balance. You know, the move that you're going to do doesn't have as much power. You know, you're not going to swing with it much uh, as as effectively as you would if you had a solid base. Like, so that's a huge thing. And if you watch their feet at the beginning, you know, when they're first kind of like, you know, just tapping the sword against each other, you know, a couple of swings and then a miss, you know, as the, the music starts to build to a crescendo, um, if you watch their footwork, it's like they're practicing in a mirror. Like they're whatever one does, the other one does the opposite. Like it's really cool when you look at it yeah. from like that technical aspect of it. Uh, one of the things that's uh, that, that's really interesting too is that for me, um, years and years after I had been watching the movie ad nauseum, uh, I was actually uh, at. Bridgewater State College. Um, I wasn't attending. Uh, my a, a girl that I uh, dated back then uh, was going to Bridgewater State College, and they were having like a like a big street fair kind of thing. And uh, the Bridgewater College uh, library was selling a bunch of old books for you know like twenty five, fifty, seventy five cents, um, crates and crates of them. And I was going through because I'm a I'm a bibliophile. I'm a nerd. I love reading. And I happened upon The Princess Bride by William Goldman. And I will be perfectly honest. I was 20 or 23, uh, 24 at that time. And I have watched that movie numerous times. And I don't think I ever really realized that it was a book. I, I It just never registered. And so I bought it. It was relatively small. It was a thin paperback. Mm-hmm. And, um, and funny enough, I bought that and the uh, novel Planet of the Apes by Pierre Boulet. Uh, if you ever get the chance, I highly recommend Which it. Which is, again, only about 68 pages. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not very long. Yeah, but I've, I've it, read that, yeah. It does have two twist endings, which uh-huh. are both incredible. Yep. Incredible. Um, to be able, if somebody could actually do a full blown adaptation of that book, the way it is, uh, hats off. Cause that, w- that would be one of the more difficult things to pull up. I think altogether cinematically, but regardless, uh, I read the princess bride and I was really surprised to find, uh, so much more detail. I mean, it's a book, obviously you're going to get that, but the things that they really like left out, uh, altogether and, uh, for Inigo Montoya, uh, that dude, he is in the world of the Princess Bride. Uh, he was classified as a wizard with a sword. There is literally no one that has at that that point in his life where he meets with uh, Wesley for the first time that has ever been able to match him. Right. Yeah, and that's why he's so like despondent when it comes to 
his loss. Like in the book, he's much more like depressed because there's like three months in between like their encounter with uh, Wesley and the wedding as opposed to 10 days. Like they really changed the book around, you know, Mm -hmm. to adapt it for the screen. Cause there's a lot of stuff that like, a, they could just cut out and be like, like the zoo, like the zoo would be a lot more difficult to. Well, back then, yes, I can completely understand why they, why they got rid of the zoo heading down to the pit of despair. The fight, like anybody who's never read the book, if you, you know, you know, the pit of despair in the movie, the princess bride, uh, that is actually at the bottom of five levels of a zoo that Humperdinck has set up that he has to hunt his way through to get down there because he is just an absolute lunkhead who truly only enjoys hunting and playing war games. That's it. That's, that's the only thing that this dude likes to do. And that's the main reason why he wants to start a war. He's very much Robert Baratheon. Mm. Yeah, very much. Um, But uh, that, that whole, the scene where uh, Inigo and Fezzik go to get Wesley uh, after he's been tortured uh, in the book. I mean, they both make their way through all five levels down to the pit of despair. And between the two of them, they have no idea what to expect as they're going through. And it's actually a really, really well-written sequence. And back then, it would have been way too costly to even think about doing something like that. Uh, so it makes sense that they just changed it to an albino with a wheelbarrow going through a tree and, hey, boom, look, a watermill that sucks your life. But, yeah. uh, man, the, some, of the, some of the detail uh, that, that fleshes out what you do know from, from the movie is, is – the Spanish, I believe, would refer to it as los platanos. <laughs> I, did, uh, I did like the, uh, the change in uh... – the way some of these characters look like Vincini, Vincini, uh, who is like a hunchback, <laughs> like Wallace Shawn is not a hunchback. Um, but I, there but he are, is impish. Yeah. Like there was certainly times where, you know, you have to make, take a couple of creative liberties and make some slight changes to, uh, a narrative to kind of make it fit your film. And there are times when like you make wholesale changes that are completely like you almost don't recognize the source material except for the fact that the characters have the same names, you know, and similar characteristics because like, these guys are, it's totally different. Like the timelines are different. Like the storylines are different. Certain things like miracle max, is very similar. Um, to believe. <laughs> Liar! Oh my God. She's my favorite. So that Carol Kane. I'm not a bitch. Put, I'm your wife. Put her in anything and she's going to be my favorite part. Oh, there's like, Mr. Hedgehog. <laughs> Where's he going? Perhaps to Harlem. Um, but no, you put her in anything and she just kind of lightens up the room immediately. And she is the Mad Max, not Mad Max, Max. (laughs) Miracle Max, Miracle Max. That's That's a crossover. (laughs) Actually, Miracle Max Fury Road. 
Bye bye, boys. Have fun storming the citadel. (laughs) Anyways. Get out of here. I'll call the last of the V8 interceptors. The Valerie Furiosa. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Could you see that? I could. That would be amazing. Uh, That's, in my opinion, that's like my favorite part. Hello, my name is Immortan Joe. Do not get addicted to water. You will regret its absence. <laughs> Resent its absence. Sorry. I was <laughs> Mad Miracle Max. <laughs> oh, Christ, what a crossover. That's your fault. Don't give me that look. Sorry. <laughs> I said the thing. Um, this is what happens when you don't sleep. Uh, but anyways, I, I, I think that that's my favorite part of the, the film. And those are probably, I mean, it's hard to pick a favorite character when there are so many great characters to choose from. But I think those two characters are probably my favorite characters. So what I want to know is who are your favorite characters or favorite character of the film? Well, let's go with uh, the powerful Brandon first. Because you are the guest. Not Christopher Guest, but ah. still a guest. Uh, <laughs> Lance Guest. <laughs> Lance Guest. <laughs> um, so who's, uh, who are your favorite favorite uh, folks? Uh, man, that, I mean, it's, that's, a very, that's a tough question. And considering that I knew I was going to be on this podcast, I probably should have seen that question coming uh, well before I signed in here tonight. Uh Honestly, it prob- it's it's probably it's probably Inigo Montoya, um, just because they do give him a pretty good backstory. Even in the movie, I mean, as brief as it is, the the tiny bit of exposition, you understand his motivations and and what drives him, uh, and just the the scene where more so than anybody else um he gets the resolution that he had been looking for for so long we did not see the entirety of that journey to that point we just caught the last leg of it but man what a last leg and uh when uh mandy patinkin uh playing anigo ventoya runs through uh count rugen and played by uh christopher guest uh after he says, you know, offer me anything I want. And he says, you know, anything or whatever, all that I have and more. And then he just runs him through and he looks him dead in his eye and like gritted teeth and, and everything just mean as hell. Like, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. Like, man, that's fucking visceral. And uh, even as a kid, like I, this is not like related to personal loss for me. Nothing like that. I'm, I'm not saying like, oh, you know, I, when my dad passed away, like, no that's not it at all i just always thought like wow that dude was no one to be fucked with he was probably straight up my favorite character regardless of the fact that andre the giant was in the movie now there's some backstory to that that uh that interaction ashes did you want to uh talk about that okay um i can i can talk about it Well, it's, you know, where you were saying that, um, I thought you were going to go into it because there's that. No, no. I mean, the thing is, like, okay, my, my my father passed away when I was 21. 
and he he was he was sick. He was diagnosed with lung and then eventually liver cancer because it spread. Um, and this the story and Mandy Patinkin has told the story himself uh, that his own father had uh, had had a battle with uh, cancer. He he was very sick for for a while and he he ended up passing away. And Mandy Patinkin loved his father very much. And when he shot the, that scene with Christopher Guest, um, he very much approached it to as he was confronting the cancer that killed his own father. And so when it gets to the point where he says, you know, offer me anything that I ask for, uh, and Count Rugen obliges, uh, when he when he runs him through and, and says, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. He really truly means that. And he's not saying that to the villain of that movie. He's saying that to the cancer that actually took his own father, Mandy Patinkin's father away from him. And uh, I do connect with that on a personal level because of my own father passing away just after I, I, you know, became quote unquote officially an adult. Um, and the, the thought most certainly has occurred to me uh, many, many times while watching the movie since then over the past uh, 17 years. But even before that point, long before uh, I, I, my family and I lost my dad, uh, I, I always just connected with how that character felt. Like, I can empathize with him now. But back then, I just it was like hardcore sympathizing. That's that's mm -hmm. really what it was. Um, but I don't want I don't want it to be misconstrued. Like it's okay to empathize. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying anything against that. I just want to give the clear reasoning for why I'm saying Inigo Montoya. Like yes, absolutely connect on a, a, a personal level. But before Brandon ever had any idea that uh, you know his dad was going to be taken away. Uh, you know, many, many years, many moons before that, uh, I just thought like, wow, that dude, he, he fought and worked so hard to get to that point. And he was, he was like almost on the verge of death himself. And he was still one of the scariest sons of bitches you'd seen that entire movie. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I was saying you couldn't help but root for him. From the get go, yeah. when you when you hear his and story, and considering he's one of the t one of the three guys who kidnaps the princess, right? To begin with, you seriously are just like, oh, I hope he wins. <laughs> what yeah, a you're, turnaround! You're rooting for a bad guy, for you know, lack of a better word, right? But, but I mean, but you find he's out he's the right hooker with the a heart of gold. <laughs> I mean, he's the Julia Roberts of this story. Um, you killed my father. Cinderella. Big mistake. Big mistake. No, but you <laughs> you find out right away, though, that his motives are he doesn't have any. He doesn't have any ulterior motives. There's not a lot know? of money in revenge. Right. Exactly. Like, I was just saying, like, that's his, not he, all the money. He has a cash settlement. He has he's, a structured settlement, but he needs cash now. <laughs> and he, you know, everything that Brandon said is true. But it was the timing of it, like right before he got this role was when he lost his father. So like this is the first thing he did. So that was kind of like a fresh wound. So well, every time he mentions the six fingered man. And to this day, Mandy, looking for you. 
Mandy Patinkin uh, says that this is his favorite role that he's ever done. And that he never gets tired of people quoting, my name is Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepare to die. Like, he I, loves hearing I, it. I worked with a guy uh, at UPS. I, I worked there for a, a, a couple of years as a package handler, loading trucks and stuff. And uh, one of the guys there was a supervisor, uh, Andy. Andy was his name. And uh, he actually had seen Mandy Patinkin uh, in concert like three times. And, um, yeah, he plays the piano and sings. I mean, he's, he's got a beautiful voice. Anybody who doesn't know that Mandy Patinkin is a, is a performer, is a singer, then you've, you've uh, deprived yourself and you should rectify that uh, immediately. I believe he's but, uh, been on Broadway as well. Oh, yeah. He's incredibly talented. Yeah. Um, one of the – well, I don't want to digress, but one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in a movie um, was Mandy Patinkin doing a cameo as himself – performing a musical based on the life of the main character of the movie you're watching in that movie. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's uh, it's Run, Ronnie, Run by uh, Bob Odenkirk and, and David Cross. It's a Mr. Show movie. You're always uh, talking about that movie. I fucking love that movie, dude. Uh, Mandy Patinkin shows up in it and plays Ronnie Dobbs in Ronnie Dobbs the Musical and he sings a full-blown number that they actually first performed on Mr. Show with Bob and David. And I thought I was going to piss my pants the first time I saw it. It was goddamn riotous. And it just proved what, what a good sense of humor Mandy Patinkin has. Because he has, a, he has a, a reputation for being a, a bit of an asshole to work with on sets and stuff. So, uh, But, but um, anyway, like, like I said, I, I digress. Um, <laughs> Uh, Mandy Patinkin, he shit, and I, I, I forgot my fucking point because I started talking about another movie I love. What the fuck? Well, you were saying how he was your favorite character and, you know, somebody yeah. that you worked with at UPS saw him in concert. Oh, yeah. He starts off his shows, um, you know, after he kind of warms the crowd up a little bit and he starts talking on the mic. He always starts off with the quote from The Princess Bride. Does nice. he? Yeah. He, he's, and people fucking love it. They go nuts. Now, when it comes to my favorite character, it's tough to pick a favorite character. I mean, I want to say Fezzik because I have a soft spot for Andre the Giant, especially after seeing the documentary and, like, knowing what he went through and what he was dealing with at the time. Like, you know, there's always like, oh, well, did you know that on set, like, you know, Viggo Mortensen broke his foot when he kicked the helmet, you know, in that scene in, in you know, Two Towers? Or did you know this guy was dealing with this? Like, this dude... Like, he destroyed his body. He was, like, 40 years old at the time that this movie was made. And he had, like, he was in worse shape than Peter Falk was. Like, he had had so many surgeries. And Peter like, Falk was missing a fucking eye. Yeah. Well, he had been missing the eye since he was three, so he had adapted. Um, but it's rule it, my awesome facts, man. <laughs> there are some, uh, there are some great, lines that some of these characters make um you know miracle max has one of the best ones because it's just it's so just like out of nowhere and it's just so funny given the 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 situation like they go with like in the book it's you know there's like a huge fetch quest to get all the different stuff that max needs like in the movie oh yeah and the, 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 the closest they come to it uh, mentioning it is the holocaust cloak yes 
Yeah. The, sorry, uh, sorry. That's okay. Um, you know, like, they spend all this time, like, convincing him, like, oh, we need a miracle. This is our miracle we need. Like, the, you know, can you do this? Your miracle, Max. This is what you used to do. And then they're leaving, and it's like, bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. And she's like, do you think that, you know, do you think they'll do it? Oh, it would take a miracle. It take and a it's miracle. Like, <laughs> it's like, that's what you do. Hey, uh, never, never rush a miracle worker. You get around miracles. Never have I ever worked for so little. Except once, well, and it was a very noble cause. Noble cause. Sir, this is a noble cause. His wife, <laughs> sick. His, His children, children on the brink, on the of, brink starvation. of starvation. Boy, are you a rotten liar. <laughs> liar. Well, let me guess, he, you're playing cards and he, he probably owes you some money, right? Yeah, uh, let's see. Let's see what it is. There's <laughs> that. clearly said to blame. <laughs> there's that, that line and the albino He's like, where am I? The pit of despair. Don't even think. <laughs> Don't even think about trying to escape. Despair. Fucking great. And it's like that's so far out of nowhere. You're just like, that's fucking hilarious. Like that. No matter how old you are, watching that, that shit's funny. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. like, especially the first time. But yeah. even like the forty fifth time seeing it, like knowing it's coming, that's still funny. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Like, I like villains. Like, Rugen's an interesting villain. Like, I wish we got a little more backstory from him. Because, like, this is a guy who has clearly spent decades just, like, inflicting various pain and injury, and he is clearly a sadist. It's like, well, you spent say, your... He's like, <laughs> it's like you spent... He is the Princess Bride's version of the Marquis de Sade. Oh, yeah. It's like, you spent your entire life you know, out for revenge, only to fail now. That might be the worst thing thing I've ever heard. heard. How marvelous. (laughs) Fun fact. So Christopher Guest in Spinal Tap, his amps went up to 11. In Princess Bride, his fingers went up to 11. That's a good good, I didn't even think about that. That's called polydactyly, and it is a... uh, It is a... And it's funny you said Marquis de Sade, because there is another character in literature... Who has eleven fingers, and most people don't know this because it's never brought up in any of the films. But he has eleven fingers, and he is—he believes he is able to trace his ancestry back to the Marquis de Sade, and that is Hannibal Lecter. Fun fact. Oh, oh, all right. So, so uh, he is uh, Princess Bride Hannibal Lecter. Like that's probably like his uncle or something. You think Hannibal Lecter ever like ripped out somebody's heart and ate it instead of paying them for a sword he commissioned from them? No, he would consider that rude. Hmm, classy. But I'm sure he's eating people's hearts. Like, I'm going to eat your heart and get your courage, your delicious, delicious courage. Make sure to bring the candy. Uh, never origi- understood why he said that like that. Like, can't he? Well, the original Dude, aren't line you, is... Uh, aren't you British? What the fuck? Uh, Amarone is the the line that he used in the book. He changed it slightly. But the reason mm-hmm. he changed it slightly is because the combination of those things is uh, to counteract medications that one would take to uh, avert their psychotic tendencies. Like the combination liver and fava beans and Chianti, all those things together would counteract his uh, his psych meds. 
Hmm. Fun fact. Interesting. This is full of fun facts. Ashes, who is your favorite <laughs> character? I said already. I don't remember. Uh, Mad oh, Max. Yeah, Mad Max and his wife. And his wife. <laughs> Valerie Furiosa. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, Although I do, um, Wesley's a great character. He is a good character. And I will say that people give Carrie always a lot of shit about his acting, especially in like the Saw films. But like he's to, a really good actor to pull off what he wants to be keeping a straight face while fucking Billy Crystal is leaning over you like yelling shit at you. That's like, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T couldn't do that. And then together. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then having like, you know, when he's supposed to be mostly dead, like just flopping around everywhere. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> shit was brilliant. That was some brilliant acting, and I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for that. You just moved your fingers. Doesn't that make you happy? Like a little head nod is going to make me happy? Hmm? Maybe I had a month to plan. Maybe. <laughs> Where'd you put the wheelbarrow we got from the albino? Bob the albino. Wheelbarrow and a holocaust cloak. Then we'd be... How about this? You said it fits so nice, I could keep it. <laughs> the Dread Pirate Robbers is coming for you. Thoughts. Soon. You will not be here. <laughs> he has such a thick French accent. Oh my God. Have you ever heard the story? Um, Carrie Elways actually told it. It was pretty cool. Um, he was talking with he, – he, he actually – he was saying, like, he hung out with Andre the Giant all the time. Wouldn't you? Uh, he said – Oh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he straight up was like, he was just, like, one of the loveliest people you could have ever met in your entire life. It just a, a great sense of humor and just very, very kind. Um, it, it always had a smile and a laugh for everyone. And uh, he was he was saying, he was, he was talking with uh, Andre one day, and Andre said, you, you, you know, uh, when I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of money, and it, it, I was very large. Uh, we couldn't really get a vehicle that I could fit in anyway. So I walked to school every day, no matter what the weather. And it, it was a long way to get to school. Uh, so uh, one day after I had been walking for a couple of miles, uh, one of my my next door neighbor, which probably meant he lived like, you know, half a mile away. Uh, my next door neighbor was driving down the road and he had a truck and he told me to get into the bed. And he drove me to school. And then every single morning for the rest of the time that I went to school, my neighbor would be outside my house and wait for, he would be waiting for me to bring me to school every single day. And Carrie Ellis was like, oh, wow, Andre, that's, that's really nice. And uh, he goes, yeah, Dr. Beckett, uh, Mr. Beckett was really nice. And Carrie Ellis was like, what do you mean, Beckett? And he goes, yeah, his name was Samuel Beckett, and it turns out he's like his next door neighbor that drove him to school every fucking day was the playwright Samuel Beckett. <laughs> like that's that's wow. nuts. <laughs> you know, like he carry always himself was like, imagine that, imagine <laughs> that, just seeing seeing that pickup truck and just being knowing that in the future, like that's Samuel Beckett and Andre the Giant. Yeah, All like right. you know, you're you're a kid walking to school. It's like, oh, yeah, Sam Beckett and uh, and Andre, you know, driving to school again. Uh, hey, my dinner with Andre. <laughs> <laughs> my dinner with Andre the Giant. 
But apparently, on oh, they could have filmed that with uh, Wallace Shawn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He liked. He really enjoyed being on set because everyone treated him as an equal. You know, they didn't treat him like a big man, and no one was trying to body slam him. Or well, I mean, there's that too. But like, he but just no one was no one was staring. No one was no one was right. right. No one was mo- making a uh, right. Like people treated him as as an equal, and he just really appreciated that because that's not something that he received often. Because they because they knew better, he'd crush them. Well, he also like they, from what I understand, like they made special accommodations for him. Because a he always needed it. I mean, the guy was like seven four, five hundred and sixty pounds, like something something along those lines. the The man was massive. Like there was a, a time where he was on an airplane, and he really had to shit. And like you know, people told stories like if you were in a room and Andre farted, like he would lock the door and hold you in because he knew how bad it fucking was. <laughs> But like, talk about a Dutch <laughs> oven. He had to take a shit on an airplane, but he couldn't. Like, airplane bathrooms are small for like regular people. Yeah, he could not fit, so they had to like kind of wall off an area and like put newspapers down, like he was a fucking dog, and oh have him God. shit into a bucket. Here's your bucket, Mister the Giant. Please call me Dre. <laughs> at, this, at this point, I think we are friends. <laughs> During could you fil- please could you wipe that for me? Uh, please do not swirl like that again. <laughs> Make sure when you wipe, you look directly in my eyes. <laughs> hey, look at me. <laughs> During filming, because a lot of this was, sh- most of this was filmed outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, on location, and the weather wasn't cooperating one day. It got extremely cold, and Robin Wright was freezing, and her ears were freezing, and what oh. Andre the Giant did was he his, his entire hand, one hand, fit over her head. Well, I mean, we see the To scene. keep her head warm. Like, that's what, and he just <laughs> walked around. Yeah, little girl. <laughs> but he just walked around with her to keep help keep her warm. So not only was she my, close to him. My other nickname is Andre the Umbrella. <laughs> well, I mean, you see the scene where he's trying to like Andre the Space Heater. Yes. Yes. You're trying he's trying to like uh Inigo is is inebriated and you know, he's waiting for Zini. And he's and he picks him up and uh, Inigo kind of drunkenly looks at Andre's hands and just sees these giant fucking like <laughs> banana hands. Like, you don't look so good. Ooh, you don't smell so good either. But like, he's got these giant fucking hands. Like, if anyone's ever seen the picture of Andre holding a beer can, it looks like a like those little like uh, play school kitchen sets that kids have, and like an adult is holding one of the like. The little cans that goes in the kitchen. Because his hands were so <laughs> fucking massive. It looks like a toy. It doesn't look real. He's a... It's true. He was a uh, a large gentleman. A large man. <laughs> yes. He... I, I do not envy you the headache you will have when you wake up. Sleep well and dream of Sleep large well women. Dream of large women. <laughs> <laughs> man. So we've been... Uh, 
going about an hour on this particular set of the the discussion, but you know, I don't mind. But we should probably start uh, thinking about wrapping it up. So, do we have any final thoughts that uh, Ashes? Maybe you came up uh, as you were doing research. Any interesting facts like we've been sharing or just final thoughts on the film itself? So one last interesting fact, Carrie Elways and Robin Wright were actually rather smitten with each other on set. And so that that, that chemistry that the two characters have, it's not acting like it's actually there. And they would uh, fudge takes so they would have to like... Oh no, we did, we, oh, the kissing take went wrong. Oh no, I guess we're going to have to do it again. Yes, because the only time we can smooch is on camera. Well, I mean, I think they also had, I don't know if they went on to. No fragmentation in the trailers, kids. I don't know if they had a fling on set or not, or if it was just, you know, they, they liked working with each other. You know, because there are certain actors who, you know, they just really enjoy working with each other. They, they have chemistry like that. Especially naked. <laughs> but they don't go on to, you know, have... It's only on set. They, they right. don't bring it back to their trailers. Oh, I'm sorry, Rob. We were just running lines in his trailer. Really? At what point in this movie do you scream out, and I'd like to quote here, oh, my God, fuck me harder, Carrie. Fuck me, fuck me, fuck me. Stick it in my fire swamp. <laughs> Whoa, that is a, that's a, a, no, okay, uh, that's yeah, a rodent okay, of unusual ahead. size. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw you, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. He can have it. <laughs> You, you you stumbled. You were so excited to say that. I know. And I saw you and I was like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> so here uh, I am divulging this fact because I think it's adorable. And and thanks, guys. And the two 14-year-old yeah, yeah, yeah. teenagers thanks, have him, just taken yeah, it. He, here I am reading this fact and all of a sudden I fucking forgot who it was I was speaking with. <laughs> it's almost like you haven't known me for like 10 plus years. <laughs> It's like we oh, haven't yeah, cohabitated since 2010. <laughs> oh. Wait, what year is it? I don't fucking know. Like, What day is it? It's May. Lousy smart weather. It's like the 12th year of 2020. Uh, Brandon, how about you? Like, like final thoughts or uh, you know, any interesting tidbits you may have? Um... Uh, whereas the movie is tied up in a nice, neat little bow, which uh, I think we all can appreciate. Um, the book itself uh, it is not quite so clear cut. Uh, they do say that Inigo is uh, he his wounds are something that he'd be able to heal from over time, uh, and that he he was planning on taking over the the uh, the role of uh, Dread Pirate Roberts or Dread Pirate Robert. Uh, however, uh, Wesley himself, after having most of his life drained, uh, is actually not in really good shape. Uh, it's not like, a, oh, you know, he, he came back and kept her from getting married and uh, everything's going to be happily ever after. There was still like a serious question as to whether or not he'd actually survive because of how weak he was. Yeah, wasn't it like uh, uh, the, the, the miracle pill was only supposed to last for an hour, but... Uh, Max fucked it up, and it was only going to last for forty minutes. Yeah, yeah, it, it was so a it's shorter very time than it should have. Ambiguous. Should've. Yeah, um, but uh, also it, uh, one thing I love—I I love Chris Sarandon's, uh, you know, uh, Prince Humperdinck in the movie. Like he plays the role exactly the way it should be played for what they did. 
however um the the character is supposed to be more of a meathead um in that's something that if i don't want them to ever remake this but if for some reason this like in my head movie of this that's probably the best way to say it just like the movie in my head which combines the elements of the movie itself and the book um i the ideal person for me i think that would have been great for prince humperdinck is uh patrick warburton i think he would have been amazing at that role See, we, we talked um, a little bit about that last night, and the only like role I could think of recasting is uh, Nick Frost as the albino. Oh wow, yeah, okay, that's, yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be really good. That'd be really fucking good. Um, and aside from that, uh, honestly, like I just this is uh, I I like a lot of movies, a lot of different types of movies. I I do I am a comic book nerd. Uh, I watch a lot of TV. And there's just a lot of stuff there altogether, different genres. But The Princess Bride, uh, of all the movies I've, I've ever seen, uh, partic- you know, like cinematically having a big experience with uh, going all the way back to my very first movie in the theater, Follow That Bird, um, The Princess Bride is my favorite movie. And it's because I think it very deftly weaves uh, a number of different tropes and genres in a way that it's uh, more of a neo fairy tale uh, at a time where making movies like that had very much fallen out of fashion. Uh, And as I've gotten older and particularly because of my dad's influence, I grew up watching a lot of older movies too. I I idolize a lot of older comedians uh, in in those movies like Jerry Lewis and, and, uh, and such. And one of those uh, movies and, and comedians that I, I really loved and has kind of stuck with me in so far as how much I truly enjoy The Princess Bride as well is uh, this movie called The Court Jester starring yes. uh, Danny Kay. It's, yeah, it's a, just, another Larry, one of my... I just watched it a couple weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of my all-time favorite movies as well. And uh, I actually wrote a paper... Uh, in college that uh, compared and contrasted uh, the two different productions and how they related to the times that they were made in and how they resonated with audiences then and still continue to do so now. Uh, If you do like The Princess Bride and you uh, also can get a kick out of uh, 1950s movies, uh, and it's not that it's necessarily zany, it's just a semi-musical comedy that uh, that takes place in a medieval setting. Uh, I highly recommend you watch The Court Jester. I do not think you'd be disappointed. Just sit down, plan on having a, a fun time. Uh, I would say that's a, a great double feature for you. Uh, watch both of them. I think you'd absolutely love it. Excellent. <clears throat> so I'm going to wrap up with uh, my thoughts and a fun trivia fact that uh, I didn't bring up. I I did bring it up last night while uh, Ashes and I were watching. Well, the I show, wasn't there. Yes. Well, you know that's why I'm bringing it up now because you're you're here now. Oh, good point. Uh, Mandy Patinkin also, uh, because like I said earlier, there is a uh, Simpsons connection to pretty much everything. Mandy Patinkin was uh, uh, Lisa's fiance in the future. Uh, Hugh. That's who. Uh, yeah, that was that was my dad's name. 
That's who uh... Mandy Patinkin. My, that, that, my dad's name was Mandy Patinkin. Powerful. Yes. <laughs> Powerful Mandy. No, uh, Hugh. Although my my dad, that poor son of a bitch, he, he was like the umpteenth Hugh because uh, he's he was Irish. So they only have like three names that they give boys. It was, it was like Hugh, John, and probably I don't know, fucking Kevin or Michael or some bullshit. And uh, because of that, my dad, as soon as he was born, he was Baby Huey. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> that went well into like high school, and it wasn't until he was like eighteen that people just started calling him Babe instead. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there are worse things to be called, you know. I guess. You know. I don't know. I don't think I'd want to be called Baby Huey. Well, at least his last name is you know it's Powers and not Jazz, so like there was <laughs> that. <laughs> um. I like, <laughs> Sorry. I like Continue. the cut of your jib. What's your name? <laughs> Hugh. Hugh what? Hugh Man. <laughs> so uh, you were saying uh, Mandy Patinkin was the voice of uh, Lisa's fiance, Hugh, in the future in The Simpsons. Yes. So that's like a, that's a fun thing because he doesn't he's not doing a Spanish accent. He's talking like Mandy Patinkin, although he does <laughs> have a very. Uh, you know, the fact that his name is Hugh, he looks very much like Hugh Grant and sounds very much like Hugh Grant. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But like he definitely. Uh, if you rewatch the episode and it's like, oh, shit, that's like you can't tell, like, you know, he he does a good job of uh, especially if your only exposure to Mandy Patinkin is Inigo Montoya, where he's pretending to be Spanish. Um. Uh, then if your only exposure is that, then uh, go fucking rent. Uh, oh my god, what is it? Uh, Yentl? <laughs> is that it? Is that the Barbara Streisand movie? It's, oh, it's well, a Barbara pretend- Streisand movie. No, it's the one where she pretends to be a guy to get into like uh, rabbinical school or yeah, something like Yentl. that. Yentl, yeah. yeah. Mandy Patinkin's in that, right? <gasps> isn't he? I, isn't he like the I guy that she befriends can there? Can tell you and- that I have not oh, seen Yentl. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen that. Uh, let's um, see. Yes, he is. Yes, He's he is. Avigdor. Yeah, who fucking needs IMDb when Brandon's here? You didn't know well, it was Avigdor. We need, we, need com- <laughs> we need to confirm it, I guess, so. That Yentl puts the she in yeshiva. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Another Simpsons <laughs> reference. <laughs> That's when Homer ate the sandwich and he was homesick. And Use the kids the open went... face club, the sandwich. Mm, open face club sandwich. I wonder if this Homer Nixon is any relation. Uh, I doubt it, sir. He spells and pronounces his name differently. <laughs> Ahoy, hoy. That was uh, how people used to answer the phone back uh, way back in the day. Instead of that's how hello. Alexander Graham Bell insisted people should yes. answer the phone. Because. That doesn't welcome to the <laughs> welcome to the Brandon and Pat useless tidbit hour. Oh, everything tends to go back to the Simpsons. <laughs> so I think with that being said, we're gonna uh, wrap this up. We would like to hear from you folks out in the audience if you uh, have a specific memory or something that we did not cover. You know, uh, let us know <laughs> about about the Princess Bride. Like, all, yes, all Princess of Bride. <laughs> yes. Or if we struck a chord with anything else that you know, I we... would like to tell you about this specific memory I have. <laughs> 
I was going to get a key made. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so Uh, specificity in all things, man. So uh, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Powerful Brandon, thank you for uh, for joining us and uh, spending two and a half hours talking uh, occasionally about the Princess Bride. And, um, you know, it's always a pleasure to have you. You're always welcome back. And uh, oh, you're you're thank you very much. Uh, I I love I love doing this with you guys. I will come back and do this uh, as often as you will allow me to. Well, we do have the. uh, the uh, Mel Brooks series going on on uh, Shark Bites right now. Episode uh, episode the first drops next week with uh, <laughs> um, we're covering Blazing Saddles, and I'll get more into that in, uh, after break. But uh, thank you once again, everybody. Go check out uh, Powers Combine on Facebook uh, as long as you are not a jerk, because that is the number one rule of uh, Powers Combined Club. Yeah, it's like a rule slash requirement. Yes. Hey. If you're a jerk, you'll get booted because no one's, no one's got time for that. So uh, that being said, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we will uh, wrap things up. Greetings, weary adventurer. Do you have a taste for the exotic? Do regular snacks no longer provide the thrill ye seek? Would ye rather eat a cod piece than another boring candy bar? And it's time for ye to sink your teeth into Mythical Meats Exotic Game Sticks. Mythical Meats offers a wide variety of exotic flavors based on creatures of legend to give ye a snack experience of epic proportions. Like it hot? Try the Spicy Creatures Sample Pack featuring dragon, chupacabra, and werewolf. More in the mood for something a bit milder? Try the Creatures of the Sky sample pack with Pegasus, Griffin, and Phoenix. Can't decide on which one you want? Why not try the Exotic Flavor sample pack featuring all ten flavors so you can find your favorite. Go to mythicalmeats.com to see the full selection of flavors and place your order. All orders over $49 get free two-day shipping. Mythical Meats Exotic Game Snack Sticks. So good, they're legendary. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast. It's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We are back. I always love having powerful Brandon on, and like you were just saying, you know, you like having him on because that's less work that you have to do. Because this is true, yes, we'll just go off and 
on random tangents and it's like this isn't like an act we do for the show like this is how we are in real real life life. it's real life but here's the thing it's very entertaining we will um you know well at least we used to i don't know how things are going to pan out uh this year but uh we would um do like drive-in double dates where essentially uh you and the tiny german would sit on one side, mm-hmm. Brandon and I sit on the other side. We all have our snacks and stuff. So we're still relatively close because we would park our cars next to each other. So they would sit but, in front of one that car. Way, yeah, we sit that in front way, of so the other car. Dara and I could actually watch the movie and we'd chat a little bit amongst ourselves. But that way you two could be off in your little, and we just, your little MST3K nook. Yeah. And we just riff on the movie. And it's <laughs> so much fun. And uh, that's one of the things I am most looking forward to once things return to some kind of normalcy it's always a good time especially when they do like the, the flashback yeah like we've been the drive-in like we, we, we've seen new releases and stuff there but like we did uh we, we've gone a few times where labor day weekend it was like back to the future in jaws and then we saw um jurassic park in jaws yes i was trying to remember i knew we saw another one with jaws that was a different year then we saw it Chapter one and chapter two, they did back to back. Yeah. A couple of years ago, they did the Halloween 1978 and Halloween 2018. Yep. So, like, they do, and they have great food at the Menden Drive In, like the, uh, the, uh, the fried All dough. The fried dough. Yeah. We, we get domey. between two and four fried doughs a night. It de- yeah, it depends on the. Because I never get to eat fried dough. And I know it's not good for you. And, like, it's literally called fried dough. But YOLO. Yeah, like Han, Han YOLO. Um, so I really hope you enjoyed the uh, the conversation that we had. I hope you enjoyed uh, maybe learning about some of the stuff, you know, hearing the differences between the book and the, and the movie. Um, the ending to the book is so much more ambiguous than the they rode off into the sunset on white horses and lived happily ever after uh, that you get in the movie. Um, and, you know, like Brandon said, a lot of people aren't aware that this is based on a book. I didn't know until yesterday. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Rewatching the film and stuff, yeah. I I I know that they're reading a book, but I, didn't, I thought it was just like a prop. Like, oh, the whole film is based around this fictional book i had no idea that it was an actual book right and so i i learned something learning um i do uh want to talk about a couple of things that we have coming up that we've been doing uh this week's episode of shark bites that just aired um I have Ashes on with me, and we have our friend Crystal from Ocular Deception, our friend Brianna from BMG Events, and uh, Shelby from Amalgamania. And uh, we talk all about, you know, the varying situations we find ourselves in and how we can stay sane during quarantine. It's a very girl power-packed episode with Patrick. Yes. (laughs) I refer to them as, as alpha females because that's, you know, pretty much how it is. Uh, I know I know what's going on. Uh, we cover a lot of topics, including whether or not uh, the amount of dick pics that uh, ladies receive has increased or decreased uh, with quarantine. And there were some very oh, interesting quarantine. answers. Um, this Friday, I'm, I'm sure you heard the ad that I played a, a few minutes ago. Uh, I'm going to be going live, uh, Facebook Live, and I'm going to be... Uh, 
doing some various trivia questions. So when you're listening to this tomorrow, so Friday the 22nd, uh, around 8 o'clock Eastern Time, I'm going to be doing some random trivia questions. Um, you know, it could be comics and movies and Harry Potter and Star Wars, like all kinds of stuff, you know. So um, don't feel like you might not know some of the trivia because I'm going to do all kinds of different uh, different uh, categories because we're going to give away uh, a bunch of this jerky. We're going to give away... a. a uh, depending on how many questions I get and how many people respond, like maybe every time you get a question right, you get a different flavor. Or maybe, you know, if you answer a harder question, you get a three-pack. You know, well, I'll figure it out. But I want to give away a lot of this Mythical Meats uh, various jerky, and I want people to try it because they were kind enough to send me three ten-packs. So I want to get some of this out to you folks who enjoy uh, various meats. So... And uh, I have been described as very jerky, so this uh, this works out. <laughs> By who? Oh, I don't know. People. Uh, also, as uh, I see, this is why it's it's hard when we talk to to Brandon because we were talking with him three hours, even though we have at this point about an hour and forty five minutes worth of uh, recorded discussion. I forget if we talked about, but he's uh, he's going to be joining me for uh, one of my installments of my Mel Brooks uh, series on Shark Bites. Similar to what I did on uh, with Star Wars, I'm going to be covering a bunch of films by uh, Mel Brooks because there's a lot of people that want to talk about this. And I figure maybe ease off talking about quarantine stuff. Everybody's aware of quarantine and some of the things that they can do to, to help themselves. So let's talk about some fun stuff. Um, we have the first episode, Blazing Saddles, comes out. Uh, I was joined by Isaac, our good buddy, who's joined us on several episodes. Sir Isaac. He just goes by Isaac in this one. Okay. Um, and Steve Van Sampson, Parasite Steve from Retro Redoctopus, and Anthony T of Anthony T's Horror Show. It's a hell of a good time. Uh, not an overly long episode, but... Uh, it's a really good time, and there's some interesting trivia, and it's it's a lot of fun. So that's next week. This Friday, I'm doing the live thing at 8 p.m. on Facebook. Well, seeing as we're talking about future events, why don't we tell people what's coming up on the next episode? Well, I was going to do that week. after you introduced this week's uh, battle, and because we have the battle, we, of course, have to have... Fun. The, the battle, the battle, the battle song. theme. Ashes, what do we got this week? So today we are throwing down our Carrie on My Wayward Son battle. It's the battle of the Carrie Elway's characters. Anything goes to the pain. Ooh. It is Wesley from The Princess Bride versus Robin Hood from Robin Hood Men in Tights versus Dr. Lawrence Gold Gordon. Gordon. I can read my own writing. From the Saw franchise. Mm -hmm. He's in the first one and the last... Seventh. Seven. 
which should have been the last one, but they introduced the pre-sequel. Jigsaw. But he wasn't in Jigsaw. But he, okay, yeah, so he wasn't in Jigsaw. He was in he was Seven. In the last Saw. Saw the final chapter. Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> uh, versus Dr. Jonas Miller from Twister. I don't think Jonas has a chance on that one. He's a badass. He chases tornadoes. He steals technology. I mean, he does stuff. But anyways, so it's Wesley versus Robin Hood versus Dr. Gordon versus Dr. Miller to the pain. Where's the sandbox? Where are they, where are they fighting? I don't know. You tell me. Do I have right. to come up with everything? Yeah, that's the, the battle is your thing. I came up with the original idea, and then you came up with the name, and then you added more people to it. But uh, let's say it's they- It's called teamwork. They are fighting uh, in- Space. No. You can't just come up with something like that. They are fighting uh, in the warehouse from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That has nothing to do with Carrie Elway's. No, it doesn't. Which is why it's neutral ground for all of those characters. None of them would have... That doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does. None of them have an advantage. You never have people fight where they would be familiar. You have to have uh, places where none of the characters have an advantage because they're not familiar with it. That's that's the way it works. So uh, that's our battle. And uh, so next week, next week we have a special episode because we were uh, recently sent an advanced copy of... Uh, Drew Murray's book, Broken Genius. And this is uh, uh, one of the quotes that's on the uh, outside. And it's a great way to, uh, to really sum this up is a tech thriller with brains and heart. Um, I think that pretty much accurately describes this, this story. Um, this was an advanced copy. This was really cool. This is the first one that we've got. This is the equivalent of a movie screener. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've read this. I think it's phenomenal, and we've been looking forward to uh, talk with Drew for quite some time, and that's all happening next week. We're very excited. If you are familiar with Drew, you have any questions for him, uh, maybe something you want to know about this or any of his other work, uh, shoot us an email, throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if there are good questions, we will ask them on air, and uh, hopefully uh, Drew will be kind enough to answer them. But we're looking forward to this. This is uh, one of the coolest things. We've kind of kept this under our hat for a while because uh, this has been in the works for a couple of months. But I just wanted to make sure that uh, we didn't spoil anything or, or ruin anything. But uh, the book comes out officially in a couple of weeks, so we figured this is a good time to Perfect timing. get him on. and. You know, we're all uh we're all cooped up. We need new stuff to read. I highly recommend this. So and uh I think that's about it. Yeah. So, so with, that with that being, being said, said, we, we will, will see you next Thursday. Thursday.